Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. Hey, my name's Ty. I'm one of the pastors here. It is an absolute joy to be with each and every one of you. I know I say that every week, but it's true. I love Sunday. I love being in here with you guys. So really it is. It is a joy and a pleasure to be here with each and every one of you. Uh, I've got a few announcements before we get started. Uh, Number one, if you're new to Grace Point Church or you're new to the city or maybe you've been here for a while and you really haven't connected with anyone, at 4.30 today out in the lobby area we have this thing called Starting Point. Uh, you don't have to sign up or anything like that. Just show up. It's an opportunity just to get to meet people of the church. There'll be some pastors, some staff, some people of Grace Point there. Just show up, and uh, you're going to have conversation with people. And the cool thing is, you ever get in a conversation with someone, you're like, oh, man, I'm stuck in the conversation with this person, and I don't want to be with this person right now? You ever been in one of those situations? <laughs> the cool thing is, we rotate you. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm not even joking. Like, like, okay, you're done here. It's like speed dating, but not. So anyway, show up today, 4.30 out there. There's coffee, treats. It'll be a good time. Don't miss that. Uh, uh, next Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday. Saw your team's not in it. Uh, but anyway, we will not be having a 6 p.m. gathering that night. We'll have the 9 and 11, but no 6 p.m., so make sure you put that on your calendar. And then lastly, we're getting ready to kick off the season of Lent, and that'll be with Ash Wednesday on the 22nd of this month at 6.30 p.m. Uh, if you're like, what's Lent? What's Ash Wednesday? Uh, that just means you need to be there. And if you know what it is, that just means what? You need to be there. And so uh, this is just a very uh, special time in the life of the church, uh, of Christianity. And so make sure you're there on uh, the 22nd, Ash Wednesday at 630. Sound good? Okay. Don't get confused with the people. Here we go. Angie, that's my wife, she was having a conversation with Shaddai. Many of you here may know Shaddai. You may not know Shaddai. But she's having a conversation with Shaddai the other day. Uh, Shaddai Hayes, Shaddai and Crystal, we've known them forever. Uh, so she was having a conversation with him the other day about a message in which Pastor Tim preached on the other day. So you got the people and characters all straight there? They're having, uh, they're having this conversation about this message that Pastor Tim was preaching on the other day and uh, a few weeks ago. And when Pastor Tim was preaching, he started calling people out by name up here. Were you guys here at that? I don't know. He was like, he was calling people out. And Angie, she looks at Shaddai and she's like, hey, how'd you feel about Pastor Tim calling you out? Because he called Shaddai's name out along with other people as well. How'd you feel about being called out? And Shaddai was like, oh, he, he didn't call me out. He was calling me up. I was like, man, that's amazing. And, and like, if you were part of that, that message that Pastor Tim did, it was really, really good. And he was just, he was calling people up to the greatest things in Christ. And I thought that was amazing. Now you wonder, why am I saying this? Well, I say all that because I want to get you ready for what I'm going to do today. Uh, I am not Pastor Tim. And so today, I'm calling you out. (laughs) I am. And I'm not only calling you out, but I'm also going to call you up to something greater. What am I calling you out on, and what am I calling you up to? Well, we're continuing our series called Everyday Saints, or Everyday Missionaries, and basically we're looking at this idea that we are called, each and every one of us, to be missionaries in everyday life. And so what does it look like to be a missionary in everyday life? Well, that's the fun part about preaching and teaching the Bible. I love to read the Bible, and I also love to preach and teach the Bible. And the reason why is this. The Bible gives us a very sober look at ourselves. You ever notice that? The the Bible will not allow us to stay stagnant or complacent or lazy or disobedient. Uh, And the Bible will continuously call us out when we lie to ourselves. And for that reason, if we got really, really honest, sometimes that's why we avoid the Bible, right? Sometimes we avoid it. But uh, take hope. There is grace to grow. It's the reason why the Bible calls us out sometimes is to, to call us up to something better, something greater. And there's grace to grow, and there's empowerment by the Spirit uh, to grow as, as well. So today, 
if you get called out, you are not alone. A lot of us are going to get called out. And today, everyone is going to be called up. And that's good news is you're not alone in that. We will all be called up together. So if you've got a Bible, go to Galatians chapter 6. That's where we're going to be today. If you're not familiar with the Bible, it is in the New Testament. That's the back half. Uh, the, the back nine of the Bible there for some of you. Uh, Galatians, it'll be chapter six. If you don't have a Bible here at Grace Point Church, we say you need a Bible. We lead, teach, and preach from the Bible. We have those in English and Spanish up on these tables and out at center point as well. Please grab one if you want one. And then also on version, it's an app on your phone. You can download that. All the Grace Point stuff will be there as well. Um, Paul wrote this letter to the church in Galatia. And the reason why he wrote this letter, just kind of give you a, a quick what's going on before we get to the last chapter. It's basically, uh, there was, there was this, uh, this other teaching that was going around in the church, this other gospel, uh, in which Paul says, hey, there is no other gospel. There's only one gospel. So if there, someone's teaching something new, a different gospel, there's no gospel at all. But the idea was this, this new gospel, which was no gospel at all they were teaching, was a gospel of religion, that you had to do these certain religious things in order to be okay with God. And a lot of it was tied in that context to like Jewish tradition and Jewish customs like circumcision and keeping up with the Jewish laws and customs like that. And Paul heard it and Paul's like, nope. And he takes like six chapters to write nope. But anyway, he was like, nope, not going to do that. Uh, and basically he's saying, hey, um, in the first bit of the book, he's, he's talking about how God has taken care of our relationship on his behalf, on, on his end by sending Jesus. Jesus comes and lives and dies and resurrects for us. And because of that, we're declared righteous. And because of that, we're, we're justified. And because of that, we're made right with God. Now, on the back half of that, after he, he basically says that there's no religion required, on the back half of that, he says, because of this, this is how you are to relate to yourself. This is how you, you are to relate to one another in Christ, to other Christians. And this is how you are to relate to the world around you. And so that's what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at how to relate to one another because in that church, uh, the people were not caring for one another well. They were overly criticizing one another. They became law-based. He even said at one point in the book that you guys are biting and devouring one another, that you might as well just eat each other up, which is like some strange language right there. Um, but it matters how we treat one another. Now, some of you hear that, you're like, wait, no, it doesn't. Uh, I'm just supposed to be okay with God, and as long as I'm okay with God, nothing else matters. Am I right? And the answer is no, you're not right. Why? Because Jesus says this in John 13, you don't have to go there, but Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you that you what? Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. Why? By this, all people, by our love for one another, all people, who are all people? Look at you guys go. All people will know that you are my disciple if you have love for one another. And so our relationship to God matters. Our relationship to one another matters. And our relationship to the world also matters as well. And so the idea is this. The mission of God is counting on us to loving God well and loving one another well. And that's kind of the argument I'm going to make today. Now, as you sit here and you hear this message today, you're probably going to think to yourself, this is not for me. It is. <laughs> You're like, oh no, this is for someone else. No, this is for you as well. So please hear this for yourself. Uh, I want you to get ready because you're getting ready to call, be called out uh, and you're getting ready to be called up. What will you do with the call? So we're be in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Are you there? Are you ready? Oogie doogie. Verse 7. Paul writes, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. 
So remember I said at the beginning of this that the problem in the church of Galatia is they were believing lies. And what Paul's saying right here is stop believing the lies. Stop hearing the lies. Stop believing the lies. And as a matter of fact, the greatest liar in our life at times is ourself. He says, stop telling yourself lies. Now, some of you would say, well, I don't lie to myself. There's your first one. <laughs> we do. We lie. No one lies to you. I say this all. No one lies to you more than you, which is true. Uh, I just had this happen to me just the other day. I just started lying to myself. Uh, I, I was out, and someone offered me a, a bag uh, of M&Ms, and it was the, the best flavor M&M, which we all know the best flavor M&M is, peanut butter. Shame on you. So anyway, I got this bag of M&Ms, and then like the front of it says uh, 140 calories. I'm like, awesome. But then I noticed something off to the right bottom of the bag. It said shareable size. I'm like, well, that's dumb. Who shares a bag of M&Ms? I, lo- I looked at the back of it. It was 140 calories uh, per serving, and it was 2.5 servings. I'm like, I don't know a one and a half person, so this must be all for me. And I sit and just joyfully ate every one of those thinking, that's only 140 calories. I'm good to go, right? Uh, wrong. It was 140 calories times 2.5. I'm not going to embarrass myself and try the math there, but I was lying to myself. What Paul is trying to tell us Christians is this, stop lying to yourselves. And he connects it to the sowing principle. So what is he telling us to stop lying about? Stop lying about this, that I can do whatever I want without being accountable and without consequences. I can sin with no consequences. Don't believe that lie. I can totally disregard God and his will and his way and his word, and everything in my life will be a-okay. Don't believe that lie. I can have ultimate happiness without considering God, his word, and his will, his orders, and his way. And here's, here's the remarkable thing. We can believe that lie, and we can live that lie for a while, and it will seem like everything is just fine. As a matter of fact, we'll feel like we're getting everything we want. As a matter of fact, we'll sit there and we'll sing the Lego song, Everything is Awesome. We will for just a little bit, and relationships will hold together for a while. But let's be really honest, and some of you who have lived some life, you know this. Everything will not be awesome and amazing for for a long time, will it? You can only hold that lie in for so long. Your sin will find you out. When we are misaligned from God, his word, and his way, we cannot hold it all together. When we, as he says in the text, sow into the flesh, or we be, we're so selfish, it will begin to blow up our lives and blow up the relationships around us, just like a Chinese a balloon. Am I right? <laughs> oh, he's edgy. <laughs> he's re- <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help myself, man. I don't know anything about it. Don't care. I just thought it was funny. But not needless to say, when you, when your life is misaligned to God, and when we, realize, we, we lie to ourselves and think we can just do whatever we want disregarding God, uh, it will start to mess us up. It starts to mess first, I think, with our internal conversations that we have with ourselves. We start to have all these uh, misguided and lying relation, uh, conversations with ourselves to where we start telling ourselves that God doesn't love us and telling ourselves that we're not good enough to be his son or his daughter and that other people don't care for us. And we start to believe that internal lie. Then we start to have a, a problem with our internal peace where we're just not at peace with ourselves. You ever been in one of those situations in life where you just feel like there's just no peace with yourself inside of you? It's the worst. 
A lot of straining and struggling and striving. And then it starts to come out in our relationships. It usually comes out in our marriages if you're married or if you're dating someone. It comes out in our kids and all that kind of stuff. Then it starts giving us sleepless nights where we feel like every time we put our head down on the pillow, we're just rehearsing things over and over in our mind. Have you been there before? We do that. And then it comes out in friendships and our health and all that kind of stuff. Why does that happen? The reason is this, because of that text. Because God is right. God's way is good. Actually, it's perfect. God's will is perfect. And that means that our way and our will is not. Sometimes, if I get really honest with us, uh, our way and our will is just dumb. It, just, it, just, it is not good. And what the text saying right here is this. You cannot treat God lightly. It says in the text that don't be deceived. God is not mocked. The word mocked is derived from a word for a nose, and it literally means to turn your nose up at God to sneer at God, like, God, you are wrong, I am right, and I will show you. Do you know how foolish that is? Then the question is, why do we do that all the time? We, we do this at times. It's the text signifies that we are trying to fool or outwit God, and the only person that we're fooling is ourselves. Look back at the text again. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whoever, whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Now, we hear reaping and sowing, we instantly start to think about karma. It's not karma. It is not. Thank goodness for the gospel. It's not, it's not karma-based. What Paul's doing right here is he's giving us a farming illustration. Uh, so if you've ever farmed or been on a farm or gardening or if you ever have seen dirt and plants and things like that, then you'll understand this illustration. And the idea is this. Whatever you sow, meaning whatever you put in the ground, that is the type of plant you will get from the ground, right? Okay, let me make sure you understand this. If you sow a, a, a corn seed, will you grow a potato? Huh? You won't. No, you will. Uh, ten times out of ten, what are you going to grow? Corn. That's right. So whatever you sow, you will, you will get that. And here's the other principle of that. If you sow it, you will reap it. Meaning whatever you sow, whatever, whatever you know, if it's corn, if it's potato, whatever, it, it eventually is what we're saying, it will come up out of the ground. It will bear fruit. It may stay in the ground a long time, but it will come up. The same is true in our lives. This is the illustration that Paul is saying right here. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, what are we sowing in our lives and what are we reaping in our lives? Look at verse 8 and we'll see. For the one who sows to Notice the way Paul writes this. His own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Paul's telling us, Christians, listen to me. There's only two fields you can sow in. What are the two fields you can sow in? Your own flesh and the Spirit. And I think there's another sowing principle here as well when it comes to our life. We are always sowing. We're always sowing every thought, every action, every inaction, every attitude. We're always sowing. The question is, are we sowing to our own flesh or to the Spirit? Well, let's look. The first one he says right here, he says, to our own flesh. Uh, this would be our sinful desires, not talking about our skin, bones, ligaments, hoses, and wires and all that. He's talking about our own sinful, selfish desires, that part of us uh, being a part of this world that we're pulled down by the gravitational uh, pull of sin itself. When we have no regard for God, no regard for his word, no regard for his will, no regard for his way, and all we care about is ourself, and all we do is think about ourselves and we're very selfish to our own flesh, that means we are sowing to the flesh. 
And the text says right here, when we sow to the flesh, what will we reap? What's the word in the text? Corruption. Is corruption good or is corruption bad? Bad. It, it kind of means death. Like when we sow to ourselves, the, the end result is we will bear some type of death. Let me give you a couple examples. To, do, to sow dishonesty brings death in our relationships. So if we're dishonest in our relationships, it will bring death in our relationships, and the fruit that it will bear will be probably loneliness. If we sow envy and jealousy, um, uh, you ever been around an envious and jealous person? You know you're around an envious and jealous person when you tell them something you've done, like, hey, I'm going to go do this, or hey, I just got this, or hey, this just happened to me, and they say the phrase out loud, must be nice. You're like, no one ever says that to me. Wait a minute, I think I say that all the time. Yeah, that's you. <laughs> when you sow to envy and jealousy, it brings death to contentment. Death to contentment will lead, lead you to, to bitterness. If, if we sow to our flesh by constantly seeking to satisfy our own desires, then we will get exactly what we want. We want our own desires, but the text says it will lead to corruption. So the question we have to start asking ourselves now is, have we been sowing to the flesh? How would I know if I've been sowing to the flesh? Where do I see corruption? Where do I see things that are just not right because of my decisions in my life? Where do I see that destruction and death in, in my life? And, and we, we understand from this principle, like, like we shouldn't be surprised by it, should we? I mean, think about it. If, if, you, if you don't take care of your health and you, and you like you... Uh, you just eat, you know, eat garbage all the time and you never move and all that. We shouldn't be surprised later on in life when we start to have health problems, should we? Right? I mean, you got you to eat some tree bark every once in a while. Put down Snickers. It just, this is what it is. That's what they tell us. Like, or if you, don't, if you don't manage your money well and you don't budget and you just you know, spend way more than you make and you put it on credit cards and all that, don't be surprised when, when all that comes to account and you have no... We shouldn't be surprised. Why? Because you reap what you sow. If you neglect your relationships, you neglect your communing with God, although if you're in Christ, you will always have union with God, but if you neglect your communion with God, you neglect your, your relationship with your, your spouse and with your kids and with your friends and with your family and all that, there will be corruption. Things won't seem to go right within them. That doesn't mean that God's mad at you and God's a bad God and God's you know, just ready to smite, smote you at any time or anything like that. No, it just means he created the world in such a way. There, there's a cause and effect. There's a reaping and a sowing. What we do, what we say, how we act, the things that we don't do, they all have consequences, good or bad. And, and the, the point of the consequences, I think the reason why God puts them there is this. When the pain of our consequences gets so bad, we have to do something different. And that, my friends, is a grace from God. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa I don't know about that. No, 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 think about it. When we're making uh, Ill, wise, or, or, or unwise choices in life and decisions in life, the pain must be so bad to where it helps us turn back to God. And I think this is a grace of God. So the question is, where do you see pain in your life from your decisions? Where do you see death? Where do you see uh, corruption? Now, there's an alternative. It says right here in the text that we can sow to the, uh, to the Spirit. How do we sow to the Spirit? Well, if you, uh, you're in chapter 6. If you back up to chapter 5, you see uh, Paul give us some... Uh, give us some options here on how to do that. And, and, and he says this it will bring about eternal life. Look at Galatians 5.16. He says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. There it is again. So we need to walk by the Spirit. 
Look ahead a couple of ver- uh, a couple of verses to verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. It's like I don't even have to think about the law. Why? The Spirit's leading me, leading me, so that's fine. Go all the way to verse 25 of Galatians 5. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. What, what, what does it mean to be to walk by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, live by the Spirit? Well, it's kind of like what I said last week. How do you do that? You give more control of your life to Jesus, exactly what we talked about last week. I mean, how, how do we practically live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, and being led by the Spirit? And it's by the simple means of grace, or some of you may call it like spiritual disciplines. It's like actually getting in God's Word and communing with God and learning more about God and learning more about self and, and the world around you through God's Word. And, and prayer, prayer of, of thanks, prayer of uh, confession, prayer of repentance, just praying and talking to God over and over, gathering together and worshiping together with your family right here, partaking of the sacraments and serving one another and all that. That's, that's what it means to live by the Spirit and walk by the Spirit and being led by the Spirit. Let, let me summarize it like this then. It boils down to this. Sowing to the Spirit means living for the pleasure of God rather than living for my own pleasure. I'm going to say that one more time. You might, might want to write it down. Sowing to the Spirit means living for the pleasure of God and not my own pleasure. That's hard, isn't it? I think that's what he's talking about. But then he says, what you reap is eternal life. Now, is that saying, oh, I've got to work and be really good and God gives me eternal life? No. What he's saying, you'll, you're going to live in that eternal life. Now, you're going to feel glimpses of eternal life. You're going you're gonna to feel like inside of you and, and this eternal life is going to pour from you. What does it look like when eternal life pours from me? I'll, sh- I'll show you. Galatians 5.22. You ready? I want you to hear this. If you don't have a Bible, I want you to see it on the screen. But the fruit, interesting, he says fruit. You know, you sow, you reap, you reap fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Anyone need to be a more loving person? Anyone want to love God more? Love, joy. Would you like to have some joy even when it feels like all life is coming apart? How about this one? Peace. Breathe that in for just a second. Peace. Could you imagine having the peace of God? Kindness. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Instead of being aggravated and angry and yelling and screaming, gentleness, self-control, controlling self. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh. I'm, I'm dying. I'm killing the flesh with its passions and desires. Again, some of you may hear this and you're like, whoa, whoa, is it, are you talking about salvation of works? No, 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 no. No, this is the fruit of the Spirit. You can't bear these on your own. You must stay attached to Jesus. You must be sowing into the Spirit, and He will bear these through you. That's the good news right there. Yeah. Now, Paul says there is an alternative to the fruit of the Spirit. If you really like, hey, you're self-made, and you want to work this out on your own, and you just want to white-knuckle it, you're going to work really, really hard in life, here's what our work will do. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. This is what happens when we sow into the flesh. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, evident sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry. You you have to become idolatrous, meaning if you're going to be your own God or make gods of something else, then you have to worship it. You have to give it your time, energy, effort. You have to give it everything. Sorcery, enmity, strife. Who wants some more strife in their life? Jealousy, fits of anger. 
I changed out my sink the other day, and Angie saw the works of the flesh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Fits of anger changing out the sink. <laughs> rivalries. Rivalries, that just means everyone, I'm, I'm in competition with everyone around me. I got I to gotta be better than them. I got to beat them. Dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, meaning life is so painful and life is so hard. I've got to consume so much of something. That way it eases the pain. Orgies and things like these. I warned you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Ouch. That's why he says earlier in the text in our first verse there, he says that we sow to ourselves. He says sow to his own flesh, meaning you're sowing to what you want, not what God wants for you, which is always best. One person said this. It's like an old adage. It says, sow a thought, reap an act. Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. It's true. It's true. That's one of the things I love about the fruit of the Spirit, though, is one, you can't do those on your own. You can, you can fake it till you make it, but you won't make it very long. But two, um, the, the cool thing about the fruit of the Spirit is this. The fruit of the Spirit is not like the fruit of the flesh. The fruit of the flesh is all about you. The fruit of the Spirit is all about other people. You know Why? Because I've never seen an apple tree eat its own apple. It's for others. And it's the same thing with the fruit of the Spirit. It's, it's, it's in you, and it's good for you, but it's, it's for those around you. Now let's pause. Think about your life. Where do you see yourself sowing into the flesh? Where do you see yourself flowing, uh, sowing into the Spirit? Maybe a little of both at times. Where do you see eternal life in your life now, like kind of living that out? And where do you see corruption now? Where do you see these things? God is calling you out to call you up. What do you do with it? Verse 9. It says, And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, which uh, anything about farming, it's all about season. In due seasons, we will reap if we do not give up. Uh, again, he's talking about farming here. Uh, I grew up on a 70-acre farm. I grew up on a dirt farm, meaning we had no livestock. Uh, we just raised tobacco, garden, stuff like that. My wife grew up on a 100-acre farm. She had livestock. They had like pigs and cattle and uh, cats and all those kind of fun, not so fun things. Um, just the cats. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway... Here's the universal truth. If you know anything about farms, here's the universal truth about a farm. Farming is hard work. There is nothing easy about it. If you ever sit back and watch your television, you see some like tractor supply commercial come in and be like, I think I want to be a farmer. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. It's, it's so hard. It's thankless. You make no, it's, just, it's very, very hard. And that's why Paul connects it to your Christian life. Because it ain't easy. Sowing to the Spirit is not easy. It's, it, it's so counterintuitive. You don't want to do it. Why? You just want to do what you want to do. And I want to do what I want to do. And I want what I think's best for me. And it's really hard work. And that's why it says, don't grow weary, which means don't grow faint-hearted, which means don't grow slack in it. Don't be a, as the principle from Back to the Future says, a slacker. And the term means like a bow. So you have a bow and a string on it, and you want the string good and tight so you can shoot things, right? And it says the string has gone slack, meaning it's no good anymore. It no longer shoots as well. Don't grow 
faint-hearted. See, following Jesus is going to wear you out. There's going to be times that you are discouraged, and a lot of life will be about managing discouragement. Like, how, how do you not feel discouraged? There'll be times where it feels like, you know what, I've read my Bible, and I'm trying to do everything my Bible says, but my life is just not working. There's going to be time where, like, I've spent so much time praying about this, and I've prayed about that, and it just doesn't feel like it's working. And I give, and I serve, and I do all these things. I did what God said to do, and it just doesn't seem to work. And there's going to be times in our life when that happens, and you just feel like, you know what, I want to quit. I just want to be done. I'm tired. I want to quit. And that's why Paul's giving us that encouragement. He says, hey, look, look don't, don't give up. There will be a time you will reap. Might not be now. But there will be a time when you reap. And here's the thing about farming I know. There is no instant gratification when it comes to farming. It is a long game. And so when it comes to your spiritual life, listen to me, brother and sister, it's a long game. As a matter of fact, it's an eternal game, but it's a long game. And so what do you do? You be like the farmer. You plant and you wait. And you plant and you wait. And you plant and you wait. It may not come until the end, but the fruit will be there. And so you plant and you wait. Do not grow weary. Some of you, some of you when I say that, you're like, too late. I'm tired. I'm just, I'm tired. I have no desires to follow the Spirit, be led by the Spirit. I have no desires for Jesus. I, I'm tired. I've been doing this a long time, and I, I'm just, if I were to give it one word, I'm burned out. And that's a church word we use. I'm burned out. I would just say, hey, let's pause real quick. And my question would be like, why, why, why are you burned out? What is the root of being burned out? Perhaps the reason why we get burned out sometimes is because it's a lot of, it's a lot of, uh, a lot of work and not a lot of communing with God. It's a lot of giving of something that we really don't have to give. Parker Palmer, I think, says it really well like this. He says, when I give something I do not possess, I give a false and dangerous gift, a gift that looks like love but is, in reality, loveless, a gift given more for my need to prove myself. I love that. A gift given more is a, uh, 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 my need to prove myself than from the other's need to be cared for. One sign that I'm violating my own nature is the name of nobility is a condition called burnout. Though usually regarded as a result of trying to give too much, burnout, in my experience, results from trying to give what I do not possess the ultimate in giving too little. Burnout is a state of emptiness, to be sure, but it does not result from giving all I have. It merely reveals the nothingness from which I was trying to give in the first place. Perhaps that's a call right there of like, you know what? I do need to, I do need to like serve and give and all, but like I need to receive. I need to sit with the Lord. When I first became a Christian... I've never heard the audible voice of God. I just haven't. Some people have. Man, that's great. I have not. But yet there's been times where God will press things upon me. And when I first became a Christian, he pressed these two words on me. And I've been following Jesus for 23 years now. And along the way, I'll get a little lost along the way of why I do what I do and, and the mission of God and, and like who I am in him. And I'll start believing some lies. I do that sometimes. And like these words just keep coming back to me and comfort me and keep me going. And it's, it's th these two words. Keep going. Keep going. Just, just, went in, just, keep, just keep going. He, Jesus is good. You could trust him. And for some of you, that's what you need to hear. I, just, I needed to hear that this past season. Keep 
going. And for some of you, you got to hear that. Don't grow weary. Just keep, just keep going. Just keep putting that one foot in front of the other. The Lord is with you. Don't stop. Don't stop. What does it look like, though? What does it look like to keep going? What does it look like to be an everyday missionary? What does it look like to, to, to love one another well, as we said at the beginning, and to, so I can love the world well? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked. Here's the part where I feel like we may really get called out and called up. First 10. So then, as we have, what's the word right there? Okay. Let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So opportunity simply means, the way Paul writes, opportunity is what's in front of you. What comes to you that day? As you have opportunity, uh, do, do good. Like there's, there's always opportunity. Opportunities to help somebody, opportunities to listen to somebody, opportunity to give somebody, you know, someone something, opportunities to invite people into your home. There's always opportunities to do good to someone. We'd all agree with that, right? There's always an opportunity, someone at your work, someone you meet out outside, someone at your school. There's always opportunities to just do good for people around us. And, and the, when we take those opportunities and when we're looking for those opportunities, it means we have a posture to where like, you know what? I want to have a posture to where I'm going to serve those in front of me. I, I am here. I'm created to serve those and not to be served by them, but to serve those are by a kind word, by some kind of action, by a resource. I'm going to serve. Now, where do we get that from? That's, that was my question. Where do we get that from, that posture? Where do we get someone who, who really took that in their life? Who did that really well? Try again. Okay. Matthew 20. Matthew 20, verse 26. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you. You'll be great? Well, yeah, we do. Must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom to many. Jesus came to serve. If I were to ask a question in church, hey, do you want to be like Jesus? You'd be like, yes, then serve. Who do I serve? Everyone. Well, when do I do that? When there's an, ever an opportunity. When's there an opportunity? Every day. <laughs> You still want to be like Jesus? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Serving, when we serve, is a witness to the world of our Savior. We see that over and over. But it, he tells us a very general, uh, kind of like cosmic way, serve everyone, but then he gets specific. Look back at verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and, what does he say, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Interesting, it says, to the household of faith. How in the world are we to show the love of Jesus to the world around us? How in the world are we to share the love of Jesus with the world around us if we don't show and share the love uh, of, of Jesus to one another? How, do, how are we supposed to do that? Number one. Number one. I got two points. Number one. Number one. Two things I think we get from the verse. Number one. Serving one another is vital for personal growth. Serving other Christians, the household of faith, which would be Christians, church, brothers and sisters in Jesus, is vital, vital for personal growth. See, part of life is growing by receiving. Uh, think about it when you were a baby, and you probably can't think back that far, and most of us, we don't have a recollection when we were a baby, but believe it or not, you were a baby, and someone served you, and you just received. You received uh, milk, you received uh, care, you received love, you received a new diaper. I mean, you received all these things, and that is great. 
but eventually you grow out of receiving that, right? You're not a baby anymore, am I right? Because if you still kind of acted like a baby and received things like a baby, that would be, for lack of better terms, weird, wouldn't it? Uh, I, I, was in, I was in New York City years ago. I was a youth pastor. I was in New York City. I lived in Kentucky. Took about 30 kids up to New York City. And uh, throughout the week, we were going out into parks and stuff like that and connecting with people. We were going to pray for people, share the gospel with people, and we we're going to invite people to the Billy Graham crusade because it was a long time ago, and that's just what you did. And so we were in Central Park, and we were playing basketball and like trying to meet people on the basketball court and like, hey, I'm going to tell you about Jesus, and hey, come to Billy Graham crusade and all that kind of fun stuff. And then something odd happened. And again, I'm going to say this with a disclaimer. I'm not making a moral value statement here. I'm just telling you a story. Do what you want to with it. But anyway, uh, I saw this kid running around. This kid's probably like six, seven, eight, you know, six, seven, eight-year-old kid running around, getting all hot and sweating and everything. I guess the kid got thirsty because he ran over to his mom at the park bench, lifted her shirt up, and, and, and started nursing. Again, I'm not making a value statement here. I was like, huh. That's weird. That's odd. You know, this is a kid with full chompers and all. I'm like, hey, like, like you know, I don't know, electrolytes and Pedialyte there. I don't know what's going on. It's a Gatorade. But uh, it, 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 was, it, was, it was weird. It was weird. Why? <laughs> I, this is not a breastfeeding campaign. Anything like nursery kid. No, you just do what you got to do on that. But if there's an eight-year-old, it's just a little different. Uh... <laughs> and I don't know their story, not making a moral value. <laughs> All that to say, we kind of look the same sometime too. As Christians, we, we, we act like babies. And, and the only way we can grow is if someone feeds us and changes our diaper. And all those kind of, like, the, we think the only way we can grow is to receive. But Christians, as we grow up spiritually, we grow by giving. We grow by serving. We grow with action. I mean, think about it. We still grow by receiving God's word. Man, we want to receive God's word. We receive correction from one another and encouragement, and we grow by that. But what happens when we read God's word and we pray and all that? We go and share that with other people and tell other people about what God has said and encourage other people. Why? You're growing by giving. We want to put what we learn into action. You are growing by doing something. And what that does is when we grow by taking in God's word and all that, and we do something with it, it begins to change us from the inside out. Like if you feel like you're stuck, if you feel like you're stagnant, if you feel like you're complacent, if you feel like disobedient is just ruling your life right now, I'm going to argue that you probably need to, need to receive for sure, but you need to start giving to others. You give others your time. You give others your resources. You give others your gifting. You give others your home. You give others your good works. You give others, you share your faith with them. But, but I'm going to argue, that's why Paul says that this is really hard like farm work. Why? It is really, really hard. Don't miss what I'm getting ready to say here. It is really, really hard to live for and to try to build out the kingdom of God now rather than our own kingdom. We are so good at building our own kingdom. That's, that's sowing to the flesh. It's really hard to live for others and live for Jesus, but that's kingdom work. Listen, man, I've been part of this deal for a while. I've been a pastor for a while, and I've heard so many people say this, and you have probably said this, and if you have said this, I want to love you well and help you with this. I've heard a lot of people say, you know what, At this church, I'm just not being fed. You know, I just, it just doesn't feel as fun 
as it used to be. I don't feel like I get anything out of it. Listen, if a church is not preaching the Bible, if the church is not preaching about Jesus and talking about there's life in Jesus, then it's time to go. And if Grace Point Church ever starts doing that, it's time to go. Uh, but it kind of sounds like kind of sounds like you need to grow up, and it might be times to to give. We we think that growing is only by receiving. Growing is by giving as well. You you grow spiritually, and I'd argue as well holistically by investing yourselves in the lives of other. Isn't that kind of what Jesus talks about in the parable of the talents? Remember the parable of the talents. He gives someone 10, gives someone 5, gives someone 1. The one with the 10 goes out and invests, does something with them, does, like, does something outwardly with them and gets 10 back. The one with the 5 does the same thing, gets 5 back. What, ha- what happens to the person with 1? Dug a hole, did nothing with it. Was Jesus happy or not happy with that? Yeah, he took it away. and says, away from me. I get it. Like, this is, the, this is the big deal. See, nothing else will work when it comes to our being selfish, stagnant, stuck, lazy, or disobedient. Only giving of ourselves to others what will grow us through this. We'd all sit and argue like, hey, we want to grow. This is how we grow. Now, as I say giving yourself to others, here's the first thing that goes on in your mind. Number one, I'm too busy for that. I'm way, I'm way too busy. Listen to me. Busyness does not grow you. It does not. It doesn't mean that you are walking wise It doesn't mean that you're walking in a manner worthy of Christ. It does not mean that you're sowing to the flesh if you are so busy. It may mean this. It may mean that your priorities are way out of order. And what are your priorities? If you're a Christian, here are your priorities. If you look at the Bible, here's your priority. Number one priority, Jesus. Period, the end. After that, I would say priority number two is his kingdom. It kind of goes with one as well. But what does this kingdom look like? I would say your family. And when I say your family, I do mean your blood relatives, and I do mean your brothers and sisters in Christ. And then everything after that, centered upon Jesus. But if not careful, we get everything out of whack. We put, we put our kingdom first. We put our stuff first. We put whatever we want to do first. And that is the reason why we feel like our lives are so out of balance. Our lives are so, so out of whack, and we start to feel this thing called pain. And we can feel it in stagnation, we can feel it in complacencies, or we can feel it in just being stuck. And typically it comes out as some type of depression or anxiety or confusion. We get really legalistic, we start blaming our displeasure with life on everything else and everyone else around us, and we're bored and we're just all out selfish and do what we want to do. And the reality is, without communing with God, you will lack purpose, you will lack direction, you will lack just just the functions of how he wants you to function in his life, and... Without serving and caring for those around you, it just pushes you further into you. And we'll, be, we'll get really good at our hobbies. We'll get really good at our work. We'll get really good at staying busy. We'll get really good at, at holding the couch down so we can watch that TV. We'll get really good at those things. And our life just gets more painful and painful and painful. We start to feel it in our, in our souls and we start to feel it in the relationships around us. Does that sound about right? My question for you is this. Do you feel that pain in your life right now? C.S. Lewis said this, we can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasure, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God uses pain. Sometimes it's a subtle and not so subtle message to get us out of ourselves, to get us from sowing to the flesh and get us to sow to the spirit. And so if you want to grow, in order to grow, 
Serving is vital for your growth. Number one. Number two. Look back at verse 10. You still with me? Okay. Number two. Verse 10. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Okay. Number two. This is a family, not an event. That's what I mean. This right here, church, is a family. This is not an event. I know you show up. I know you sit in rows. There's a stage. There's lights. There's a mic. And all. I get that. But this is a family. This is not an event. That's why I use the word household of faith. And, and, and I'm going to argue, and I think the Bible argues, that your church family matters. And it should matter to each and every one of us. That this is your family. Your brothers and sisters in Christ are, are your family equal to your blood family. Some are like, oh, I don't like that. It's not my words. <laughs> I didn't say it first. Jesus did. Mark 3, verse 33. You're about to get Jesus juked. Here it comes. And his mother and his brother came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mother and your brother are outside seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mothers and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. And these are your brothers and sisters here. If you're in Christ, they're it. This, this is it right here. Uh, that does not mean that you neglect your blood, blood relatives. Some of you are like, yes, I can get rid of my regular family. No. You're the Bible says you're responsible to them as well. But I'm going to argue that you're equally responsible to one another here. I mean, are you convinced that Jesus is the head of the church? Are you convinced of that? Are you convinced of the father's adopting? And so he is our father and we are brothers and sisters and we have the same father. Are you convinced of that? Are you certain of that? Then if so, then we are brothers and sisters and our priorities should be here. It really should. Uh, the church is the receiver of good works from one another, so we may be the conduit of good works to the world out there as well. It starts here. This is not just a place. I mean, you, you, have, to be, you have to be in community to know one another here. Showing up is good. And I know a lot of you, you, you show up, and I'm so glad you show up. It's time to grow. It's trying to put, put your stake in the ground and say, this is my church. This is my family here. I mean, I think about you, Grace Point Church, all of the time. I love standing up here looking at you. You look beautiful because I see you. you. You are my family. I mean, I have mothers here. Miss Carol, that's my mom. She's my mother to me. Sandy, you, not because of age, just because you're wise. You've been in my life forever, and you, you've straightened me out a handful of times like a good mom should, but not because of age. I've got dads here. Doug, you're like, like a dad, not, not because of age, just because you've straightened me out a few times as well, like I'm just saying. I mean, I got brothers here. Look around, like, they're, like, think about Matt and Z Mo, and like, I mean, these, you know, these are my brother, Nolan, these are my, bro you're my brothers, Jeremy back there, brothers, like, these are brothers. Think about my sisters, like, there's sisters here. Think about Heidi back there, and like, Danielle and Jenna, I mean, I can go name after name, like, you, you're my family. Why? Because this is what the Bible tells us. We're family to one another. It's not an event. We serve one another. And so, yes. Yes, I'm, ca I'm calling you out. I think the Bible is calling us out to serve. Be gentle. It, um, it's, it's baffling to me. I just be, I'm going to be real. I'm honest, Hour. It's baffling to me. Baffling to me. 
how, how we don't serve one another. It doesn't make sense. I, I can't understand it, how, how we don't serve one another. Um, I know some of you there, you've been in church for a while, and you're like, you know what? I don't serve because I don't know my spiritual gift. I need to go online and take a spiritual gift test. Nope. Nope. One, because the text says opportunities. And so you don't need to take a spiritual gift to test to see there's opportunities. Uh, hey, would you put the serving team thing up? This is not, a, like, I'm just saying, th- those are opportunities. Uh, so you don't need a spiritual gift. As a matter of fact, when I first got saved, the pastor at the church, I got saved in a little, pastor, uh, little church in Kentucky, he says, hey, uh, you need to serve. You're a Christian. I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Uh, what, what do I need to do? He said, I need you to do the P&L. So I didn't know either. <laughs> is that peanut butter lettuce? I don't like, what is it's profit and loss. Now, if you, if you know me, you're like, that's funny. But guess who did the P&L? Aunt, me, but Angie threw me because I was like, baby, I don't know what this is. <laughs> so that's what I did, man. I don't have any spiritual gift in any of that kind of stuff whatsoever. But there's opportunity. And so I was like, I'm going to jump in. This is absolutely. Uh, some of you would say, well, you know what, Ty? This sounds good, but I'm too old. Some of you are like, I'm too old. Some of you are like, I already did my time. It's like, what is this, prison? <laughs> I paid my nickel. Like, no, like, no. No, we need you. Look, you're older than I am. I need you. I need to be straightened out a whole lot. Like, and a lot of other people do. And you, we, there's like kids to be, like there's people that serve. Like you're not finished. If you're still alive in this room, God's not finished with you. I, 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 Psalm 92, 14 says this. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. You're sappy. You're greeny. <laughs> you ever pick up a stick, you break it, it falls in half. That's the dead stick. You ever pick up one and like, we used to call them switches back in the day, you know what I'm saying? They're like, you're a switch, man. You got green and you're sappy. Like, you're not done. You are not finished whatsoever. Here's the reality when we get older. Here's the reality. Your heart will only go in one of two directions the older you get. Listen to me, especially if you're 30s and 40s moving in that direction. Your heart goes in one of two directions. It either gets harder or more humble. There's no middle ground. I've seen too much life. It either gets harder, like harder towards people, harder towards things of God and all that, or it gets more humble. Allow it to be humbled by the Lord and serve one another. Some of you would say this, well, I'm, I don't serve, I don't do anything because in my previous church, I got hurt. I'm sorry, but I'm going to be, and, and like some of that hurt is just awful, atrocious. I can't even imagine. I will say this though. If you're a part of a church, you're going to get hurt. You're part of Grace One Church. There'll be a times you get your, sto- your toes stepped on. There's going to be times where someone says something dumb. It's me. There's going to be times that like, people hurt your feelings. Why? Because the church is people. And people do dumb things to one another. And I'm sorry. I am so sorry. But, but I, want you to hear, I want you to hear this. If you've been hurt by people, the path forward to healing is by people. If relationships have hurt you, then it's only in relationships where you find healing and so let's, let's like get back in the game, okay? We'll, let us know that you've been hurt, and we'll, we're going to help you limp, limp back along. Absolutely. But there's opportunity here. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. For some of you, you'd say, hey, I don't... For some of you who are serving and you're giving, man, thank you all. You're just... You're a servant, and we get it. Thank you. But for, for the rest, there's a QR code right in front of you. It's a black QR code. Grab your phone out and scan it. That way you've got it on your phone of like, hey, here's some opportunities. There's opportunities that are not on there of ways to serve. Let us know, like, hey, I do this. We'll figure something out. Scan that QR code. Some of you are like, I'm not going to do it. Okay, at least grab your phone and lie to me. Hold it up there. 
You may be asking this question, why all this serving one another when this is supposed to be everyday missionaries? Because it begins here. It all starts here. Next week, I'm going to continue this. I've got like the, 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 uh, the second part of the sermon, but, but listen, it starts right here. Spiritual growth is serving one another. And this is your family. This is not some kind of event. So what, what needs to happen from this? Where is God calling you out from just living and sowing to your own flesh or living and sowing into the Spirit? And as we sow into the Spirit, we bear the fruit of the Spirit and one another. We get to enjoy that together as a family. That's what God is calling us up to today. Let me pray for us, and then we'll go to the Lord's uh, table together. Father, be gracious to us, please. May, may we, as your, as your sons and daughters, and you are good father, may we not hear condemnation this morning, for there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is your word, and so may we believe your word wholeheartedly that there is not condemnation today. However, by your spirit, you convict us. When we get too complacent, too comfortable, stagnant and stuck, it's through pain and sometimes the pain of even conviction that you challenge us and to change us. That is for our good. So may we, maybe, maybe uh, take that today. And may we also be comforted because as conviction comes, you have given us the ability to confess of sin and repent of sin and to, and to now walk in obedience. You've given us your spirit so now we can be empowered to obedience. So Father, would you help us be empowered and comforted in obedience as Jesus says to bear fruit in repentance. And so may we be a church to where we take serving one another seriously. May we care well for one another. May we see that we are our brothers and sisters' keeper. And so, Father, I, I pray that you've called out and now you call us all up. I pray from this that, God, um, we will never go without when it comes to serving one another. It may just be simple things like encouragement. It may be simple things like opening our home. It may be by jo joining a serving team. It may be by something. But, God, would you, would you do your work in us today so that the world will know that we are your disciples by how we love and how we serve one another. Help us do that today for our good, for our joy, and Jesus, for your glory alone. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.